Ahoy, fellow Trill Seekers. <laughs> and welcome aboard the joy of Trek. I really like Trill Seekers, Kay. <laughs> a plasma storm evading podcast exploring the Gamma Quadrant and the laser scalpels of Star Trek. All, All of it. it. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And out in the Symbios Evaluation Board is your chief engineer, Greg. Together, we're on a mission through the sick bays of Star Trek to find the vermiform life form in every trill. Nice. And the excellence in every episode. Even in the neuroelectrical suppressors. Because every episode must be someone's favorite, and it might as well be us. So flex your hyposprays and join us as we skeleton crew maintain the, the joy, joy of, of Trek. Trek. Oh, well done, Kay. I enjoyed <laughs> that one. Thank you. I wonder so, if anyone can guess... Which episode we're doing. Yes, also they can look down at the podcasting device and Greg did tell them uh, which one would be next week. Right, DS9, Season 2, Episode 4, Invasive Invasive Procedures. Procedures. Originally aired on October 17th, 1993. Teleplayed by John Welpey and Robert Hewitt Wolfe. Ooh. Storied by John Welpey and directed by Les Landau. Uh, Let me see, Robert Hewitt Wolfe, I know... Oh, I think he's from Andromeda. I think he was the showrunner for the first seasons of Andromeda when Mm. it was still sort of okay. Um, And then it became all about confirmed shithead. Oh, what's his name again? Hercules. Oh, I don't know. Don't you know? Don't ask me. Oh, what a great day! He's gone from my brain. (laughs) Joy, don't think about it too much, Ruth. Yay! Oh, (laughs) the evil is defeated. We are free. So, so what happens in this episode? Oh, a bitter, unjoined trill attempts to steal the Dax symbiote from Jatsia. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Short but concise. Oh, I have synopsis. I have. I have two surprises for you. Uh, so one of them is, uh, do you know how I previously sort of cheated a little bit with ChatGPT? Uh, yeah. Well, you can make sort of custom profiles or custom GPTs now. Okay. And so I've I've created one just as an attempt, which I wanted to be a compendium of Star Trek knowledge, in-world and, okay. and, and out-of-world. And I asked it to focus on like primary sources like memory alpha. So mm-hmm. I figured that while we have, you know, much to say about AI and its effect on the creative world, yeah. as a like a research tool, it's a very valuable technology. Right, unless it starts doing hallucinations. Yes, that is difficult. Although apparently some things you can just tell it to just don't do that. Like, don't make up shit as one of the criteria. Yeah, it doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really, really listen yeah. to that. And of course, like, using large language model and generative AI instead of, like, hiring an artist is it's all kind of rubbish. But yes. we have been using various AI tools in in our production. You know, Mm -hmm. when we make little flubs, we've created synthesized versions of our voices that we use and that our chief engineer uh, uses to assist us. I swear I've never used this power for evil yet. There may become a time where I will, but right now, I haven't used it for evil. So I thought... Maybe we can give it a little test. I've called it Hello Computer, and I'm going to ask it to give us a summary of today's episode. Okay. Where it will be using, as a primary source, Memory Alpha, the fantastic wiki. I think I asked it to use a little bit of IMDb. Okay. Um, and um, I'm still working on, like, so we can cite these sources. Right. You can also add uh, regular Wikipedia, which also has, it depends a bit little. It's a bit hit and miss. Uh, in my, yeah. I've found in my research, certain episodes have gotten a lot of love. This one, not very much. So what shall I ask the computer to do? And I've named it Hello Computer. Um, (laughs) So summarize invasive procedures. Okay, yeah. But then we can do something funny with it, can't we? Because that's how, that's one of the the, the cool things. From the perspective of the Klingons. Procedures. Okay, summarize invasive procedures from the perspective, pardon me, from the perspective of the Klingons. And let me see what Hello Computer makes of this. Okay, so this episode would be perceived differently from a Klingon perspective, given their cultural values and worldview. Oh, okay. Uh In this episode, the station is overtaken by a group of mercenaries, including a Klingon named Takar. The group's leader, Varad, seeks to have the Dax symbiont transplanted into him, an act that would be seen as dishonorable and deceitful by Klingon standards. Oh, whoa. Yeah. It's actually good. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. So from a Klingon viewpoint, the episode highlights several key aspects. Dakar, as a Klingon, is part of a mercenary group, demonstrating a form of loyalty to his team. However, his involvement in a deceitful plan might be seen as un-Klingon-like, as Klingons value honour and straightforward combat. Yeah. I wonder how... It's fairly gener- generic. Yes. No, it's not really focusing on the episode, but more on... The, but that's the thing that generative AI does anyway. It's like... Yes. And I think it's also... Lots of empty platitudes, yeah. 
I think it's also like a very flat kind of view of of Klingons. Oh yes. Whereas like in Deep Space Nine, there's been a lot of opportunity to examine other aspects because mm. yeah, no culture is just one thing. How long does it go on for? Quite a bit. We've got the <laughs> symbiont transplantation. We've got the resolution. But it basically, it, it comes down to, like, assuming Klingon values of honor right. and the underlying deceit and dishonorable tactics. Hey, deceit is an integral part of warfare. Yes, very uh, much so. In fact, I think that's Sun Tzu's art of war. All warfare is based in deception. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure what the Klingons would think of Sun Tzu, but I'd probably call him a bit naive. <laughs> Lacked poetry. You haven't experienced Sun Tzu until you've heard it in the original Klingon. I mean, a large part of Sun Tzu's work is, of course, just about logistics and telling people who have never like cooked a meal in their life that no, it's very important to keep your supply lines up and running, and they can only be so long. Yes, it's like try to explain this to people who like have no real-world experience with hardships uh, and travel. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You need food. You need shoes. Then later on, we'll worry about, like, cannons and sword. We need food and shoes. And then we can have the rest. Yep. I think this is a really interesting way to start as as we delve into this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've got one more thing to share with you, and that is we have buttons now. I figured it out. All right. So here's the buttons that we have. We have... I say we eject the warp core! All right. Right, that's the first one. I've done them sort of in order, and so you can see the second yeah. one is... When you sort of warp into talking about yes. the episode, uh, we have... Shields up. up. Yep. Oh, you recognise <laughs> yeah, it. Very yeah. good. And when we leave Starfleet at the end... Uh. Yes, <laughs> excellent. This is my gift to you, Chief, because this will, this will make your job a little bit easier. Wait, are you trying to replace me with this? Rom has some words to say about this. Workers of the world, unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Fantastic. Well, in that case, allow me. I say we eject the war core! <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have a lot. I do. All right. Okay, go ahead. Start. Evacuating a whole space station. Yeah. Kind of like it's nothing. Yeah, it's actually the second episode in a row that they did that. In a row? Yeah, the previous one, they also yeah. had it uh, had it evacuated for reasons. I get it as a cost-saving measure, yeah. right? Because it's expensive to have a lot of extras and, and, and makeup. Like, I can imagine that this, as a relative bottle episode, was... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally... Was it nice and cheap? F- yeah, most of it is on command, uh, or whatever it's called in... Uh, Ops. You've operations, got, you've yes. got operations, uh, the docking bay, and sick bay, and that's about it. Uh, and one scene in Quarks. Yeah, but yeah, the lights weren't even on. No, it's uh, yeah, very uh, contained. Now this is the kind of thing, like aside from rehearsals, right? As mm-hmm. as one would rehearse a play, you could probably film it over the weekend. Yeah, I suppose. Right, if you got those actors together, and these are experienced actors, I had such a good time with them. But we'll get to that in a bit. It was mostly like the idea of evacuating an entire town, kind of because as of, if it's because nothing, of as if it's storm. routine. Yeah. Right? Especially it, since they moved the uh, station to be closer to the wormhole. So, it's like, yeah, it's a bit of a logistical operation, I guess. Exactly, which I would be hugely interested in. And so would Sun Tzu. All right. So, what else you got? Oh, actually, that was that was kind of the major thing, because I, <laughs> I really love this episode. All right. <clears throat> which was recommended to us. Oh, yes. This is from my friend Rain. Pardon me, Rain. <laughs> uh, it sounds like Rain, just a little breathier on the R. A fantastic... Star Trek fan and a long-time acquaintance, when I asked him like for a recommendation and I wanted to especially like that personal perspective yes. that he liked, he came up with this. Rain says, I saw it as a rerun. I had to have been seven or eight years old. As a kid, I identified with the Trill since I felt like my consciousness and body are separate things, like my consciousness was some other being living inside me. Anyway, the episode has some rando show up and hijack the Dax symbiont for a little while, and there are all kinds of weirdly intimate scenes, both where the symbiont is taken out of Jadzia and put in the guy who is then briefly imbued with all sorts of memories and knowledge. The theme of the episode is that it's wrong to take something by force rather than earning it. The Trill Pipeline, I think. But my very young takeaway was different, reflecting more on the intimacy of the symbiotic relationship and vulnerability, I guess. That's yes. fascinating. Ah, I can, yeah, I can really see that. I mean, 
yeah, thinking that your consciousness is living in your body. That's like, I believe they call it the homunculus. Uh, the homunculus hum- that's the one, theory. Yeah, yeah uh, theory. It's the, the idea that there's a there's just this little guy sitting in the control room of your brain. <laughs> yeah. Like looking at the view screen of your eyes and the speakers of your ears and that there is a being inside you that operates the, the you that you are. And this is exactly how the Trill uh, experience uh, being uh, imbued by a symbiote. Yeah. I think that's my other... Uh, I forgot the button now. I say we eject the warp core! Uh, how, how kind of cool Jadzia was at mm. the end for this hugely traumatizing experience right. of having someone's entire life experience forced on you and also the fact that after joining, Dax continues to commit crimes. One of her hosts yeah. was fine with killing one of her other hosts. Mm. Yes. And... That's a weird thing to have. But yeah, you can definitely see that she uh, she is troubled by this when she wakes up uh, with... She just goes, oh, it's so sad. And not like, uh, can I just call up the Trill sort of counselling hotline because they're the right. only ones who can really deal with this. Well, in the, the quotes and in trivia, this is one of uh, Terry Farrell's, Jetsia's, uh, the actress who plays Jetsia, favourite episodes because she believes it's very important in terms of differentiating between the host, Jetsia, and the symbiont Dax. Oh, yeah. And she says, uh, I approached the scenes in the infirmary with the idea that Jetsia is scared, that she feels helpless. She cares very deeply for everyone on the station, and she is afraid for them. That's why she's willing to say, fine, I'll give my life for everybody, and you can have Dax. But that's being while the strength of Dax was inside of her, telling her that everything was going to be okay. Right. Once the symbiote's gone, she's only 28 years old, and she's like, wait, I haven't lived all that much. Yes. So that was her viewpoint on this episode. That's really fascinating, because we only get those few seconds of Jadzia, whatever she, yeah. you know, whatever her name was prior to, to Dax. I don't Jadzia. even know. If... Her name was Jadzia. That's how it works. Yes, but did she have a family name? Oh, I don't know. That's never mentioned, really. Right? Uh, oh. But none of the other trailers is ever mentioned either, I think. Well, there's one who's briefly mentioned in Picard, mm-hmm. and her name is Naashima Kunama Destifi, which was a very different kind of name, which... Right. I really appreciate it, showing that, oh, yes, Trill has countries. <laughs> yes. Right? Planets have countries, and countries have, like, regions. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sometimes it's Jadzia, and sometimes... I also like that it's got... It's N-A-A, and the second A has, a, has an accent. Oh, yes. So it's not Nashima, it's Naashima. Anyway, anyway, shall we dive in, warp into this episode? Um, let's or do you see. have another... Do I have... Ooh? I mean... Okay, yeah, I mean, another, the, the you can press one of the buttons. You're oh, either going to press I mean, one of the warp core buttons or oh, you're going to warp it. Well, you've already pressed uh, eject warp core button, so do I have to press it every time I bring up a, a new subject? I mean, we've got the buttons. Right, now. Right. You don't. Ha- I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to set your time to the capital city. I say we eject the warp yeah! core! Yeah! All right, so um, the, the only thing that I'm a little bit bitchy about is the, uh, the pirates getting on board. It's like put in place that this is done by Quark. Yes. Disabling the security system on the docking ring. But I don't really see how that would work because, you know, the way that uh, the Doctor and Odo are overpowered... Yes, that they, they didn't yeah. invoke any security system. Right, they just came walking in, someone comes running out, like co- coughing and choking, and they just do a quick overpowering. Maybe the weapons are disabled? They don't have weapon disabling systems on the docking ring, do I they? I don't know. Maybe maybe sensors to detect the weapons that they were holding or something, but yeah. No, it seemed like an emergency situation. They were providing first response care yeah. to what appeared to be... Yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like... It, uh, it, it, uh, it seems a bit weird. It, it, it ties in a bit to another comment that I have, which, uh, which was uh, why it's uh, one of Armin Shimmerman, the actor who plays Quark, yes. least favorite episodes. Whoa! Because he feels that Quark commits an unforgivable crime, yet receives no punishment. According to Shimmerman, I worry when Quark doesn't get punished for really sizable crimes. It makes the character less important since his acts trigger no consequence. And it makes Odo look a little foolish in that he's the lawkeeper and he can't get this little troll punished. Yes, that's really, really valid. I yeah. actually share that with uh, with Armin Shimmerman, uh, which is, I think, how it's pronounced. Oh, Shimmerman, yeah. Um, because, yeah, I, I remember this as... Uh, because I did a rewatch with my husband in the, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. When this is over, Quark and I are going to have a little talk. No. I mean, he does have a, a redemptive act a little bit, but True. it's not a very major one, and it's all in service of, you know, survival. Right. I think that's really valid. But I think that's a bit for the warp call. All right, all right. then let's... Excellent. So, you know, there's a certain sort of illogic 
to that sound after having dubbed the warp core. <laughs> well, the, the warp core never gets dumped, you know. That's the oh yes. That's the thing. <laughs> like, there's always the only one time that they actually manage to dump the warp core. It's even more disastrous because that's when the Enterprise C, I believe, gets. Or the D it gets uh, oh, very crashed, good. Uh, crashed. So the only time there's a successful warp core ejection, and it only makes it with the situation worse. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> I don't doubt you, but I really want to get a fact check on this because I'm really curious about it now. Chief, I might, Chief are there yeah. any other? No, this isn't about True, like no. being right or wrong. <laughs> we, we get to find out because I know there's definitely one in Lower Decks. Right, Chief? Uh, this statement was made around the time that they did it in uh, oh, that's uh, Voyage true. Home. There might have been successful warp core ejects since, but uh, up until then, that was uh, that held through. So K does deserve some credit there because, yes, basically until DS9 slash Voyager, yeah, dumping the warp core wasn't something that really happened. Voyager is the one that is really guilty of dumping the warp core a lot. There's references to not being able to eject the warp core and that causing issues in TNG and DS9, but it is uh, the first time that we actually saw like a successful warp core ejection uh, was in Star Trek Insurrection, but then we saw in Voyager's episodes Cathexis, Day of Honor, Horse Oblivion, and Renaissance Man, as well as the Delta Fire ejecting it in Drive. And, and we have my favorite example is when Shax finally gets to eject the warp core, and it is his proudest moment in The Stars at Night. I've dreamed of doing this for so long. Eject. So we start off... Yes. Deep Space Nine in this sort of bluish, cloudy environment. Yes, there's a uh, plasma storm which has caused the station to be evacuated. Odo and O'Brien are doing the rounds. They're battening the hatches, so to speak. So is uh, uh, Bashir. A small skeleton crew stayed behind. Which is conveniently all the main cast. Yeah. (laughs) And Odo, who does not get much to do. No. And Quark. I volunteered to stay and help you protect the station. The only reason you volunteered is because there wasn't enough room on the evacuation shuttles for 600 bars of gold-pressed latinum. That's a lot of cash. I guess so, yeah. I mean, that's how it works. And he's just sitting there meditating and... Yeah, he's Do you see left- this posture that he's got, how he's got his wrists together? Yeah. That's a very Ferengi thing. It's basically like... Offering your like your wrist to be handcuffed almost, oh. <laughs> like supplicating. Yeah, All right, yeah. fine, you got me, you got me. <laughs> and uh, yes, as they leave, there's this device, this presumably security defeating device, left behind. Because he does a very successful move, does Quark. Mm-hmm. He presents an obvious lie. I was saying goodbye to my brother. Your brother. His shuttle left three hours ago. And then he immediately turns on the personal. He goes to uh, O'Brien. Do you have brothers? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. Yes. But like all Starfleet officers. Did you ever have to say goodbye to them? Yes. When I went to Starfleet, I said, I was like, you've never seen them since? It's like. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Seems weird. Apparently in Starfleet, you get trained that if you have siblings, you don't bring them up until they're plot relevant. Fair. And Odo is suspicious, but... Um, Odo's always suspicious. Because- no more than that. He just goes grumbling, okay, you come with me. Yes. And doesn't check this environment where there's a mysterious device. We get the credits. Yeah. I think, I think seeing the opening credits of Star Trek Deep Space Nine first three seasons Fair, once yeah. is fine. Okay. No, and then okay. You see, I mean, Dennis McCarthy did a great job with the, with the theme tune. Like, mm-hmm. it's got this sort of loneliness and nobility mm. to it. But it is an awful, just keep circling, just keep circling. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the ops crew gets a distress call from a ship that is limping at quarter impulse uh, and trying to make it to Deep Space Nine because they've been caught out by the storm. Yep. Engage the tractor beam. Bring them into the closest docking bay. There might be casualties. I'll get down to the infirmary. Good idea. Ah, good idea, says Cisco. And also, your f***ing job, yes. Doctor. What an excellent idea you've yes. just had to follow the, the fundamental procedures. Go do also, your bloody job, yes. Why would you be waiting in... Operations, yes. Oh. 
I mean, I guess it's a good point. Like, you know, if there's nobody else on the station, then you might as well be where everybody else is because that's the most likely place that if there's somebody's going to need medical assistance. Oh, yeah, that is where the most people are. But then when you've got a ship coming in that might need medical assistance, right. you don't wait for them at the hospital to be brought in. I guess. When there's no... I mean, of course, a doctor is not an EMT, right? As true, uh, uh, true. In, in the In the real world. But... On Star Trek, kind of... Yeah, right. Also, I mean, it makes sense because if he, he can do the best thing. Like, he can be there, he can, like, lay his stuff ready, and if, like, someone does need emergency medical assistance, they can always transport them directly to sickbay. Right, yeah. yeah. And then... But, like, Star Trek has a, a limited understanding of the medical professions. <laughs> I recall one line that I bristled at when I heard it later. It's, like, about Nurse Chapel. Oh, I hear she's an MD now. Those are completely different branches of the oh, medical yes. profession. It's not, like... An, an upgrade from nurse to, to doctor. They have completely different training. They can do yep. all sorts of things the doctors aren't trained to do. Yep, totally. Same with med techs, EMTs, you know. Yep. But it's all a ruse. Yes. This uh, woman who's, she's pulling a la'an. Yeah. Sort of. She's feeling, oh, I'm so weak. Oh, je suis oh, fatiguée. Cough, cough, cough. Yeah. <laughs> Phaser to the chin. Ha ha. And a Klingon out of the smoke. Yes. And another Klingon. And then you asked me, hey, Kaki, do you know who that is? No, and I you asked was, if you recognized him. Do you recognize him? And I was so smug about it. And yes, I still you. am. Because I recognize, <laughs> with one exception, I recognize everyone. Okay. The ever helpful Federation. It's Tim Russ. It is. In his, ooh. Second. Third appearance in second, Star Trek I in believe. general? Uh, on television, it might be his second, but I think he was also in one of the films. Okay, Help according to here. the trivia, yeah. it says it's his second appearance. First was in a Next Generation Starship Mine. Yes. His next appearance outside Voyager was... Well, he was also a, a terrorist. ...was a, a lieutenant aboard the uh, USS Enterprise B in Generations. And then he came... Oh, and then that's he what I'm thinking And then of. he returned later to DS9 to play the Mirror Universe version of Tuvok in Through the Looking Glass in the next year. Oh, whoa! Oh, I forgot about that. That's really exciting. Yes, Tim Russ so, plays Tuvok. He's an excellent singer as well. Ah. And, uh, yeah, so this was, according to the, the trivia here, it was the second awesome. time around. And then there's also... So he's Takar, but he doesn't really get named. Ooh, uh, he does. He's, the other one gets more of a, a name. Get, the other Ta- gets more... Takar Ta- gets mentioned a few times. Jato, Yito... Yeah, Jared Leto. Oh, no, wait. Someone else again. And the third member of this pirate crew is Mariel. Ah. And I recognized her immediately. That's Megan Gallagher. I know her as Frank Black's wife in Millennium. Okay. She's an excellent, uh, uh, an excellent mm. character there. She's a very 90s sort of, you know, actress. She's got, a, she's got a very classically handsome appearance, and certainly with the hairstyle that she's given here. Mm. And they're all working for Varad the Trill, who's played by John Glover. What else do we know him from? Okay. Let me see. I mean, he, so, I know I know that a lot of the actors loved working with him. Uh, and, really? Uh, yes, that's uh, especially Terry Farrell. But uh, oh, that's awesome! Yes, that uh, she was. He was her favorite uh, guest star on the show. Oh so, wow! <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, he's incredibly charismatic. Like, um, let me see. Did you ever see Smallville? He was Lex Luthor's dad in the TV series Smallville, Ooh, uh, also in the nineties. Don't recall. That's where I know him from. Every time that Jonathan Glover pops up, I immediately think, oh my gosh, it's like Suther's dad's. He's amazing. He's so, so, so good. Oh, I love Jonathan Glover so much. I mean, it can go more obscure that he played Satan on the short-lived series Brimstone, which there were only 13 episodes of, and it's completely impossible to find, but I have them (laughs) memorized. And he also played an angel version of himself, who was a painter. Okay. Ooh, let me see. Ooh, you've seen Robocop. Yes. Uh, do you remember the oh. commercial for Magnavolt 5000s? And it won't even run down your battery. He's the car salesman selling the oh. lethal security system. Okay, no, I didn't recall that. Yes. Oh, I love John Glover. <laughs> uh, so seeing him here, and he, he starts off so mousy. Right, he plays a fantastic uh, performance, which is, uh, yeah, the very timid Varel, and then later the very different Varel Dax. Yeah, yeah, because Varad starts off Varad, with he, he doesn't yeah. want anybody to be hurt. He wants nobody to be hurt. Yeah, other than Jetsia. Yeah. And he like he knows that it's necessary, but there's a bit of a sort of Smeagol Gollum situation going on here. Yes, I can see where you're coming from. Especially because like Smeagol makes the evolution from someone who's very timid and mousy and, and yeah. doesn't want to hurt people to turns out, actually, yeah, that wickedness is in, in Smeagol as well. Yes. You, Shifter! Inside. And what if I refuse? Please, do as he says and no one will get hurt. 
Yeah, it was a cool little prop, this. Which uh, is uh, subsequently brought to sickbay. Yes, just handheld, carried by Megan Gallagher, because apparently, like, he only weighs a few kilos? I guess. No, that's always, like, a thing with shapeshifters, you know? It's like, he, yeah. He, the, changes, he changes volume, he changes mass, too, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I guess. It's a cunning material that can do that. Yeah, he's reluctant uh, about it. He's a little bit angry. He's like... Because apparently he feels a little bit embarrassing to uh, do this in front of people. Yes. Because there's the whole episode where he gets locked in the elevator with Laksana Troy. Yes. uh, And which is a... The Forsaken, season one, episode 17. Also recommended by uh, one of our listeners. Was it season one? It's also a remarkable performance by both actors. Absolutely. We'll definitely be watching that at some point. <laughs> but it's one of those ones where it's fucking excellent. Yeah. So, right, we're we're <laughs> yes. looking f- to find the unloved ones. It's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah. All right, so, yes, he gets forced in. They get to the bridge. There's a brief little bit of taking over the station. Everybody gets uh, their uh, combat just removed. Yeah, they're really particular about taking everybody's combat. Combat, combat, combat. It's, it makes sense, you know. It's, like it's, the, best, just got a it's nice... the easiest way to organise a counterplan, so yeah. might as well take it away from them. And now everyone's in ops. And this just felt like, I don't know, it's not a parlor scene, mm-hmm. but there's a, I don't know if there's a, there's a term for it. Chief, maybe you can help me out, but like a scene where all of your actors are just already sitting around so you can, you know, film it nice and quick by yeah. just moving the camera for, for everybody's different reactions. Because yeah. they're all being grouped together, which, of course, is, like, a pretty good way to take over a large group when you yourself have a small group. Okay, so I can't find anything on that specifically. I will say having, like, a group shot is not necessarily easier. If this was a wider screen, they could have all had it all in just like one shot, but because it was, it's still like the four by three aspect ratio, they're not able to have them just kind of like all in the same shot without like people being cut off. Because especially as you start to get like more cutting back and forth, if you're having like a very dialogue heavy scene, it actually becomes more complicated to film it with multiple cameras for different takes. A prime example is like the Titanic dinner scene where there's like nine principles at one table. And so that scene alone took like five days because it was, okay, we have to shoot all of this person talking and we have to shoot all this person's reaction and then we have to do all this person. And so like, it just took so long. So in this instance, this would be pretty easy because there's just like a two shot, like kind of back and forth between Cisco and Jadzia and the rest of the ops members. but. So it's not always easier to just have everyone in the group at once. And we're introduced uh, to everyone here and their their motivations. I thought it was a really well set up scene. Yes. We basically have the two Klingons who have just been hired, are just hired muscle. We have uh, Varad, who is the one who has been working on uh, determining which of the symbiotes uh, is uh, most suitable for him. Oh, yes. Uh, And... Of course, his girlfriend, um, Mariel. Mariel, that's her yeah. name. Yes, Cisco has his boots of conclusion jumping on again, because he <laughs> immediately got like, ah, the wormhole. After you've stolen the symbiont, you plan on escaping to the Gamma Quadrant, don't you? How, like, <laughs> like, how does he know that? It's like, I think it's re- whoa, whoa, shields up. I think that's really, really reasonable. This guy comes in saying, like, I did research, I worked it all out. No, bullshit, says Cisco. Mm-hmm. Dax is the one closest to an escape route. Anywhere else in the universe, the Trill authorities will hunt you down. There's nowhere you can hide in Federation space. Mm-hmm. Trill are known throughout Federation space and, and beyond, apparently. Like, lots of different planets probably have extradition treaties. Right. Uh, Trill is an advanced economy and very, very, very particular about those, those symbionts in particular. So you can't steal it anywhere else. Why Dax? There are thousands of symbionts on Trill. Why her? I did research. I worked it all out. The Dax symbiont is the best match for me. We have mutual interests, science, diplomacy. Yeah, Barad. Matched yeah, with each other. which we later find out. Correct. In season three, yeah, they... So brilliant. Equilibrium is the episode that mm. expands on the highly selective and exclusive procedures of joining. It's explained that if the widespread compatibility of most trail with symbionts was known, violent attempts at joining such as Varad's would be far more common. So... Yeah, you'd think. It's kind of like kept secret that it's like, yeah... Pretty much always works. Yes. <laughs> and as we learn in Discovery, you don't even have to be Trill. Oh, yes. 
She does say, Jadzia, that only one trill in ten is chosen to be joined. Yes, that's a pretty high number. Millions we're talking about, I presume. Yeah. Which Kira goes like, oh, there must be hundreds. Like, no, 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 millions. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the sort of first of several strategies used against Varad. And Jadzia, like, she starts off with... It's nothing to be ashamed of. Neither of my parents or my sister underwent symbiosis. And they live happy and productive lives. Lives. Yes. Ooh. (laughs) Don't love that language, Jadzia. No, no, no. Uh, I don't imagine that you get a lot of Christmas cards from those siblings of yours uh, talking about them like that. Varad is like, Please, believe me, I I wish I didn't have to do this. Then don't. I don't have a choice. Which leads to the uh, old saying, like, anybody who says, like, I don't have a choice is doing exactly what he wants to. Exactly. And doesn't want to admit it. Yes. Right? Specifically doesn't want to be called out. Yeah. or have their uh, reasoning examined. We see Quark uh, hovering over some liquid security keys or whatever because he was swindled, turns out. He yes. thought that he brought these Klingons on board for an illicit arms deal. Yes. But that's not what they were for. And Yeto, I think that's his name. That's Yeto, yeah. Yeah, is gloating about it. You Ferengi. You think you're so clever, but you're stupid. Now, now, there's no need for name-calling. He does a lot of blustering and not a lot of, like, actual... I mean, that's what all the Klingons are doing here. They're, like, most of their lines are about that, like, belittling the other people. Actually, that's also Yito later in uh Yeah, it's, in just, it's yeah. just him. Yeah. And ultimately, he's actually quite an agreeable fellow in Turns terms out, of his actions. Yeah. <laughs> I did like Takar mm-hmm. uh, when he was confronted. He's all business. Yeah. And O'Brien says, hey, I don't know if you know, but we're allies now. And he spits on the ground like a Klingon High Council. They're could, pussies. Yeah, exactly. They're all they're all honeys and frady cats. Oh yes, Quark is therefore also brought into into ops. Now we have the whole crew together. Yes, except Ki- for Odo, who's in a box. Kira, in. Kira immediately jumps down uh, uh, Quark's throat. Who are these people? What do they want from us? Funny. I was about to ask you that question. Yes. Now I can totally get where Armin Shimmerman's coming from. Yeah. There is no consequence to his action here. This no, is this no. is unforgivable because he was going to get Jadzia killed. Yes, oh, he, he didn't know that. No, he didn't know their purpose, but he did help. Yeah, his his actions were uh, yeah the ignorance instrument, instrumental to the uh, yeah. And certainly, from someone who comes from uh, rebellion, mm. uh, she has you know certain views on collaborators who may or may not have known, but. What you makes what me you th- makes me wonder though, like how did they were they going to plan this? Had they just been sitting waiting for this plan to happen if they're until the plasma storm came I by? Know. It's a bit. I know <laughs> that, that really, only really that convenient. only just cr- that only just crept into my head that thought, but yeah. Oh well, I mean they might have been working on something else that might have taken years to prepare, and right. then a plasma storm. Oh whoa! Then we only need like one, two, three, four, four dudes yeah. is enough. There we go. Let's go now. It's a lot cheaper. He'll help. I don't want anyone else hurt because of me. But you have to give me your word that no one else on this station will be harmed. I... I promise. Yes, because uh, uh, Bashir has also protested. Like, he's not going to be part of this. And Varad solves it by phasering O'Brien. Yes, O'Brien gets it in the shoulder. And he said, I think this is a really important line. This is the Smeagol line. There, you see, I've taken the first step. Yeah. Right. He hasn't just ordered somebody else to do it. He hasn't just condoned it. He has shot someone mm. and he will continue shooting people until he gets what he wants. Yes. Uh, Bashir implores him to let him treat O'Brien before uh, going on to the surgery. It's kind of a useless little moment, this treatment, because he just sort of waves something over him. But I, I guess that's sort of the to establish the pattern that he's, you know, he's a first aid giver whenever he sees someone right. in uh, yeah. uh, in injury, especially like an example that he uh, uh, that he later exploits with uh, with Yato. Yes, very much so. Yes, the operation scene where we get uh, Varat refusing the anesthesia. He wants to watch. He wants to watch and experience it all. Oh, the operation. Sorry, yes. I thought you were talking about operations. The, oh. the command room. No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, they're lying on uh, on bio beds. They've got uh, uh, they've got blankets over their otherwise naked bodies. Do the trill uh, with exposed windows in their abdomen. <laughs> yes. Do you notice? Huh. Jadzia has what 
what may look like stretch marks. Yeah. They don't look like the spot pattern that uh, the trill has. No, I assume that's because this is not her actual abdomen. Right, but so it was, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it was, it was created there. It's, it, it's a makeup effect, but what does that to suggest? Like, is it a stretch mark from the original insertion? Well, we watched this uh, together with my uh, other half, and oh, yes. uh, his comment was, so these trill, are these like kangaroo people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested. Because it looks weird. Like, basically, it is looks is indeed it like cut? they have a pouch there. It doesn't look like it, that. Like he made a cut, although it's kind of implied that he does, but there's no blood, and... There's, yeah, it's weird. It's, I mean, I'm not loving the special effects. Let me put it like that. Well, we have just come off Farscape where <laughs> yes. uh, the standard for weirdness is a good bit higher. Yeah. But yeah, I, I wonder about this because I, I do believe in previous instances where we've uh, uh, seen adjoining, which was not always necessarily under optimal conditions. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that is the second time only, but yeah. Uh, the, oh, we may have seen a flashback. At okay, some point. Possible. But you're, you're quite right. They were originally introduced in... Oh, Chief, which episode was that? That would be season four, episode The Host. In The Next Generation, uh, Joe Brill, who became a love interest for Beverly Crusher. Mm-hmm. And I think that the simeon had to be transferred into Will Riker. Oh, Fact maybe check, temporarily. Exactly. Yes, I remember that. And then... Uh... And then finally arrived in a new host who was a woman. Yeah. And Beverly apparently wasn't ready for that, or Ugh. 90s television wasn't yes. ready to uh, let people explore that kind of relationship. Yeah. So David Livingston commented on this, that we didn't want to want it to look cheesy. It was always a problem showing it. Yeah. It's that the whole uh, idea of Alien. You don't really want to see it too much, because the audience is either going to be repulsed by it or say that it's too hokey. I... I, oh, I, yeah. I lean towards the two hokey sides uh, in this uh, I mean, in, in yeah. this argument. I mean, certainly now, yeah. right? When we're watching it in 2023, some nearly 30 years after it aired. But mm. yeah, that that's a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it looks a bit like this blob-like thing with this tentacle at the end that gets fished out of the pouch and then gets cut like an umbilical cord by Bashir. It does look like a pouch. Like, I was, I was, I was kind of going like... Yeah. Is that an optimal it's, way to... It's way too wide. Like, it almost stretches almost over the entire uh, abdomen. So I'm wondering if that was an intentional thing or if it just made it easier. Imagine if it is a cut. Yeah. Would you want to make a small incision for it to squeeze through or a large incision so there's less stretching of all the tissue? If you've got a dermal regenerator, right. you can knit the wound. Yeah, true. But I you'd wonder. have to go... Like, you have to cut all the muscles. You know, that's like... Well, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I mean... I mean, maybe with a dermal regenerator or whatever they've got, like a traumatic stretching or compression is way worse for tissue than just a cut, a clean laser scalpel cut that you can I mean, knit together, maybe? I don't know. I mean, in in current medic medicine, it's like tearing is, obvious, uh, is often be- done in order to get a better... Uh, 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 rather than cutting, for some operations, oh. you actually tear the, fle- uh, f- the flesh open rather than cut, because it knits together better if it's right. uh, if it's done that rather than having a. Uh, well, that's yeah, because that's basically the yeah. fibers get ripped apart rather than sliced at their weakest point. Yeah, also, and, and then they get to and then it knit, uh, grows back together. But generally speaking, in modern medicine, it's like make as little cut cuts if you do it through the smallest hole possible. If I had a pen. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh. The operation is a complete success. Not so good for, for Jadzia, despite the fact that Bashir provides care for her. Yes, he's, he almost ignores Varel. Come on, we haven't got much time. Just move it back and forth over the wound in slow, even strokes. Why bother? She'll be dead in a few hours anyway. Not if I have anything to do with it. Now help me. And I also really liked his sort of criticism of her, despite the fact that yeah. he's assisting in this violation. Like, hey, She's weak. she gave up. Yeah, she should have fought for it. Like, she, if she wasn't, Yeah. I kind of like that perspective. I, I mean, obviously it's horrible, but it's, it's, it's interesting that he would have been a lot more inclined to help this woman if she'd fought against him. Yep. It's an interesting value system. Uh, meanwhile, on operations, there's been a fight with the Klingon. Uh, oh, and, and God, that fight is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. Quark incites it. He, yes. Uh, he rolls a little coin. No, on. no, that's the later That's the later. Oh, fight. is it a different no, one? This is, oh. This is just the first fight where uh, everybody gets beaten up by the Klingons and prostitute. Oh, yeah. The the fight between Kira and Mareel. Yeah. Kira is so bad. Yes. She's doing the double-fisted thing. Where I, you, right. Because you not only do you break your fingers when you've got them interlocked like that, but, yeah. like, 
you're losing all the force of your and later, which later she shows your legs. Later she shows that she is actually a competent fighter when she like takes on the Klingon, and then that works fine. But yeah. Like, I don't know. Apparently they're like more vulnerable to double-handed fist <laughs> throwing. Because you can't even get a good swing in. No, you can just like lift it and thump. Mariel's uh, a lot better. Like she's, she does all yeah, these yeah. cool sort of back elbow, backhand moves. Bad job. No, wait. Wrong series. <laughs> Wrong series again. Afterwards, Quark wanders over to Kira and goes like, basically starts to bitch about. What are you people sitting around for? Do something. Do you have any suggestions? Why should I have any suggestions? I'm not the military mastermind. I'm just a victim of circumstances. Victim, really? Strategist. <laughs> <laughs> like, petulant Quark. <laughs> he just falls into these patterns. See, this part of Quark I kind of like. Yes. Because he does this thing. He lifts the veil of the sort of mythos of professionalism in Star Trek. And he peeks underneath. And it's really, really honest. Because, yeah, hey, you guys rescue civilians all the time. I'm a civilian. I kind of expect to be rescued. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit around and, like, wait for you. Oh, you're so heroic. I never saw that coming. It happens every fucking week. Guys. Yes. Cisco starts laying the groundwork for his master plan. Yeah. I think is, that's a really good way to describe it, because yeah. he's talking to Muriel. And he is starting to seed the, sow the seeds of doubt. That's the word I was looking for. Gets her to uh, uh, tell her backstory a little bit. Yeah, and tries to get his starts to get his fingers behind the, the yeah the situation. Look careful, okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to say the the trill flaps, but <laughs> what's especially cunning about this is that I mean, Muriel sees through this. Okay, you're trying to drive a wedge between us. Mm-hmm. It's not going. It's not going to work. Barad told me that you'd say things like that. But that's only part of it. Like it's it's plans within plans. Yes. The most important part is he wants her talking to him and some kind of connection to be formed. And he even does that kind of risky thing where he makes a prediction. Mm. He'll be smarter, more confident, but in all the important ways, he'll be the same. I'm sorry, but if he told you that, he's lying. Once a trill is joined, it's like a rebirth. He'll be an entirely different person. Because there's also an implication, like whoever walks out of there, I know him better than you do. Suddenly, yes. Well, he doesn't say that, but that's definitely, right? that clearly becomes his plan later on. And then Varad walks out. No, not just Varad. I'm Varad Dax. And he's just transformed. Yes. Rather than timid and mousy, he's just, he stands tall. I think even Cisco says that later as well when he's talking to Muriel oh, yeah. again. It's like, he even looks different, doesn't he? The way he stands. The way he moves, talks. He doesn't really look at Muriel. As soon as she comes closer, as soon as she comes like within in, in, in his personal space, he turns away. Yeah. He doesn't just take away from uh, from her. He doesn't respect her like he used to. Giant. Oh, thank God. I thought I'd lost you. The symbiote. It's gone. Oh. And we see Jadzia just. Jadzia for the for I think the first right. time. Yeah. And yeah, she's terrified and alone. And what a comfort it must be to have Julian there. Because even though yeah. like he has like romantic interest in her. Oh yes. He's sort of pursued her in a clumsy and um <sighs> Okay, I find it difficult to talk about what a sex pest Julian was in those early <laughs> in those early seasons. Right. Because on the one hand, yes, he's a sex pest and you yeah. shouldn't treat people like that. But also he's definitely young. Yeah. And that's a thing that you need to learn. True. You know, nobody's good at everything. And also he got a little bit of back of his own from that uh, Cardassian Taylor who was all his trying to He should. Who was also t- like, yeah, at least given the impression that he was trying to get into the, uh, into Bashir's pants all the time. Oh yeah. And not, no, in, a, and not, no in, a, and not in a Taylor kind <laughs> yeah, of way. Exactly. <laughs> I'll measure your inseam. <laughs> Oh, we definitely have to do more Garrosh here. Uh, which was, oh, I think it was canonized in, there was a Lower Decks mobile game uh-huh. where there's a holographic version of Bashir who tells Boimler at one point, well, I, you know, I once dated a Cardassian. I know, it's, I know how difficult it can be. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we know which Cardassian he's talking about. <laughs> of course. But there's always been an underlying sort of, a, like an essential... Not just an attraction, not just a pursuit, but a definite like respect and and care was also there. Yeah. And I think that Shadzia always been 
sensitive to that. Right. I mean, there's like of similar age, you know, late twenties, both very attractive people. Uh, yeah. You know, colleagues. You know, like a lot of the people meet their uh, future uh, spouse at work. You know, it's, now that's true. So this, yeah. It, but it's also, entirely... she's six hundred years old as well. As well right. And she's but... she's been a young man several times. <laughs> also true. Yes. <laughs> and and yeah, she 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 sees. Like, there's heart in him that she's always really appreciated. And that mm. comes to the fore here, because he's there to, to comfort her immediately. Yeah. Cisco plays an entirely different card now. As soon as Varad appears, Varad Dax, as he now uh, announces himself, yeah. he is, oh, hey, old buddy, old pal, how's it going? And reminiscing <laughs> about their time on Pelios right, Station. bringing back through the, uh, yes, uh, Curzon, uh, first Curzon uh, memories. Yeah. And then uh, finally, at last, like, slipping a Dax moment in there. Oh, it's so brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, Jadzia moment. Yeah, Jadzia. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, and then he's con- sort of confronted. Remember my wedding? I remember you're a bachelor party, or some of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and the time we discovered the wormhole. My, my, my. One of Jadzia's proudest moments. And you can see him going like, oh yes, I also have those memories. Do you think that, what was his primary angle here? Was he trying to undermine Varad and his guilt? Or was he trying to demonstrate to Muriel that the man she loved is is changed and that he knows him better? I think, I think primary getting into uh, Dax rather than Varad. Basically trying to get Dax more in control. You know, make Varad yeah. uh, more aware of Dax. Pro- secondary, definitely, also showing to uh, uh, of real, no, no, Muriel. Uh, Muriel. Yeah, that, I uh, think this that, is really that, that, that how he's changed. Like that was very obvious too. That's that what he's doing. He's like immediately showing, and not necessarily. I know him better than you, but definitely showing like there is now. This is not the same person anymore. Yeah, and at the same time, getting yeah, getting Dax to. Uh, yeah, work work over is like eh, play the guilt card a little bit, I guess. It's really interesting to talk about Varad and and, and Dax as separate entities because oh, we don't know that the symbiont has like agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah we don't really. They contain the knowledge of all of these previous hosts, which. I recently saw someone on Twitter, pardon me, I'm, I'm not able to credit that person, presented the thought, hey, it must really suck to be a, a newborn symbiont's first host. Right, that's what I was thinking as well. I, I, I yeah. literally just had the same thoughts. Like, that must be like, oh, yes, you've been chosen. Like, oh, wh- who are we getting? Yeah, you're getting a new one. Sorry, it's just you. It's just, okay, so just me then and nobody else inside. Okay, so I'm going to be of use to someone in future. Yeah. <sighs> I mean... <laughs> it also sounds cool. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, hey, definitely. Free, free definitely, definitely not a... Uh, uh, oh, it's got a whole new world. So many lifetimes are going to be... No, it's no a, still I'm, just you. Figure it out. <laughs> it's like the first person with a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever been that lonely. <laughs> We've had that discussion before. I'm certain that he made two. <laughs> <laughs> Mariel bonds with some of the rest of the crew. She brings uh, uh, egg broth to O'Brien, who yeah. at first declines, but then accepts it. And she's like, no, suit yourself. Uh, uh, why is this that, like, oh, yes, because Varad goes and sit in Cisco's office to muse a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. What is he doing? He's sitting there staring at the baseball. Oh, no, he's he's sciencing because he's a, he's a Dax now. He's inherited right. Jadzia's knowledge. He's sciencing the, the plasma storm to determine when it will be oh, safe okay. Fair. Yeah. to go through the wormhole and proceed on the rest of his plan. Now Quark launches his little coin that he's been toying with and he jumps onto Dakar. I got him! I got him! <laughs> Nobody does anything. No, almost like it was premeditated? I don't know. Or maybe just like, uh, like oh, we'll let him sort it out. Yes. And Muriel scored her phaser yeah. on everybody else. But that was Quark's plan. He didn't intend to overpower Klingon. No, he wanted to get sent to sickbay. Because as soon as he uh, uh, hits the ground, he's squealing oh, about his ear. Uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I I am so such a fan of Quark's squealing, yeah. uh, which I think has been overtaken only by Boimler's squealing in, in its excellence. But I'm such a fan of it and an aficionado that I recognize this. Oh, this is even faker squealing. Right. Because normally his fake squealing 
is, you know, the way that many, many children or adults like myself right. instinctively respond to any kind of pain or inconvenience with right. some kind of utterance. That, and then only later do you go, oh, it's actually not that bad. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just a shock and a surprise, I guess. Habit, yeah. Uh, he, uh, really yeah, he gets on. carted off to sickbay where Bashir is like... Uh, the damage appears to be fairly superficial. And then Cork's like, no, no. But Ferengi ears are incredibly sensitive, so I'd better run some further tests. <laughs> yes, oh. because conveniently, Mariel and Yato were looking away in that yes. moment. They were doing an eye roll. <laughs> and then Bashir, I don't know, uh. violates medical ethics by publicly misdiagnosing a patient. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All warfare is based in deception, and right. his, uh, his yes. deception oh, no. is oh, very yeah. serious. Could be, yeah, but either of these conditions can be deadly to a Ferengi. So we need to provide treatment, and in the next scene where we see him, he's going to get Yito to, okay, you need to hold this over his ear, move it back and forth. Right, well, actually, that's been primed, because there's been a long discussion with Yito at first when he tried to get him to help Jadzia, and, yeah, eventually just... Uh, verbally lashing out at Yito to uh, get him to help. And finally, the when, when he does that, then Yito laughs and like, ah, yeah, the doctor does have a little bit of uh, spice in him. And then he actually helps. Yeah. Which I... Uh, I would love to know a lot more about these Klingons, honestly. Yeah. And in this case, he does more or less the same thing. He goes like, here, help him out. Like, hold this. We're not going through this again. No. Like, <laughs> I'm not your nurse. Like, <laughs> oh, for, for crying out loud, don't... Uh, we both know I'm just going to yeah. yell until you go, ooh, ooh. <laughs> This is Klingon courtship. Maybe he's got a little eye on that, that doctor and he just wants to be slapped around a little bit. And then, oh, okay, that'll, that'll do something for you, doctor. And uh, yes, Bashir goes and gets the hypo spray and sets it to double dose for Klingon. Oh, yeah. And spurts him out. It's a very good move. He comes around Yito and he's about to like apply the hypo spray to Quark. Yeah. And then, oh, no, up under your chin. Ha-ha-ha. And now Yito's bent over the tape. Oh, it's yeah. a lot of... Uh, Time for a prostate exam. Yeah, apparently um, so. I swear the two of you just want Bashir to f all the aliens more than Kirk f aliens. This is like the, the most like monster f***er podcast I've ever been on. But uh, yes, uh, meanwhile, there is more talk between... Varad uh, and Muriel. Yes. I couldn't have done this without you. I would have spent the rest of my life a mediocre man only dreaming about what might have been. And you can see how oh, John Glover is just fantastic in it. And Megan Gallagher is fantastic in this because you can see her sort of hope and optimism kind of fading away. And yep. I mean, Cisco, throughout this, the, the scenes we've been talking about, Cisco keeps talking to her. It's like keeps emphasizing what has changed in him. Yeah. How he's now, his body language has changed. How he just like, he, how he dismisses her, uh, which the old Avrat would never have done. Yeah. Uh, and yes, he keeps picking away at the little scabs uh, and uh, to try and, uh, yeah, play his plan. Yep. The sooner you leave, the sooner I can follow, and the sooner we'll be together. Varad, like, looks away when she, uh, she tries to kiss him. Then he tries to kiss her. And she turns away. Yeah, she backs off. She backs off, and then yeah. he gives her a kiss on the cheek and sort of moves on. And then knowing look from Cisco, like, told you. <laughs> so when Bashir and, and Quark have freed themselves from, uh, from Yito, yeah. Bashir's first priority is to free Odo. Yeah, makes sense. And now we get a cool little scene because, oh, the box is locked. Yep. Allow me, says Quark. Yes. Cracks his fingers. And, like, maybe you can assist me in performing He's, surgery on this he, lockbox. Yeah, he does a little bit of button pushing and listening, which allows him to determine what kind of mechanism it is. Uh, laser scalpel, please. Yes, cuts a little hole in the box. It's good, but it has its vulnerabilities. And, yeah, just in a few moments. It's a gift. And, and we don't see Odo. No, because, I guess... Special effect budget was run out. Yeah. Like, doesn't really matter. You don't really need to do another Odo coming out of the box scene. It doesn't really add anything. No, but we just don't see Odo at all. Oh, not for a bit, no. Right, they talk about him later on. Well, oh, now Odo's free. You're, you're definitely all in trouble. But he's just kind of sir not appearing in this scene. Now it's time for Varad to leave, because yes. the, uh, the storm has, has subsided. This is, like, um, I'm a little bit unclear, because... Okay, so the plan is for Varad to steal a runabout yep. and leave on his own, and then the others are going to come later, because why? Yes. I had questions about that as well. Not to dump another warp core, no. as tempting as that button is. <laughs> How are they going to get paid? Well, they're going to they're, they're go for the tour rendezvous point. 
in the Gamma Quadrant. Presumably right. the Klingons aren't going to stay there. No. Maybe they get the shuttle. Yeah. Maybe they get the runabout. Or maybe they have or already have been paid. Yes. I mean, With mercenaries. Klingons, you can probably... Yeah, I don't know. I, I still don't want to, like paint all the Klingons with the same broad brush no. our limited understanding of what is honourable and dishonourable. No, but I can imagine that uh, yeah, they, they have already been paid. I mean, like here you have your gold-pressed latinum or whatever they take for uh, currency. Yeah, uh, usually and, that. Yeah, uh, and then they're, now you're just along for the ride. But yeah, the plan is that Varad is going to go first and then everybody else is going to follow him. And At least for a, real. And yeah. she's noticed something which she tells Cisco. hey, the plan was for him to wait for me at the rendezvous point. Yes. And now he said, Just wait for me at the rendezvous point. And Cisco goes, Well, it might just be an honest little slip up. Yeah. I hope you like the rendezvous point uh-huh. because you're going to be waiting a long time for him there. He's genuinely sort of connecting with her. Right. Because I mean, she's, uh, she's a woman of unfortunate circumstances. I mean, that's never. A, an excuse for one's actions. I mean, certainly insinuating circumstance. Right. Kira is, uh, calls her out on that. Like He got you out of a bad situation and now you're willing to kill for him? Yeah. Uh, I, which is the thing, like, she talks about she'd grown up on a planet called Kefka and she didn't have a lot of opportunities. No. She was working at an accommodation house, which I hope is like a hotel and not a brothel. Uh, the, the implication? Uh, the, the trivia page and everything uh, calls her a prostitute. So Oh, dear. It's, uh, yeah. I guess it's my uh, my own naivete that I wasn't able to catch it, but yeah. it's a bit of a I mean, sort of noir trope, right? It is. A, a woman who's worked as a sex worker must be a victim of circumstance right. and, 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 and tragic and pitiful. And of course, well, he, he came to her for uh, comfort, as I, I believe is what she says, and then when he got yeah, recalled hey, what back... The f- yeah, wait, wait, warp core. <laughs> I can't reach the... I say we eject the warp core! Yeah, falling in love with a client... Yeah. Over sympathy, like that, that's yeah. a pretty toxic start of a relationship. I'm not saying that it can't happen, but well, yeah, it is and a bit the, of a trope then, in 90s then, television. And then she, he asked her to come with him to Trill when he was recalled back for his work. Oh, uh, yeah, then, something maybe like that. she went like, Oh, my chance to get off planet, we can always see how it goes later. Uh, yep, but then she stuck with him, yeah, until now. She hands Cisco her phaser, yep, but she oh. does say, If you heard him. I'll kill you. She accuses Cisco of like, oh, you only care for Jatsia. Uh, and he goes, well, you only care for Varad. Varad. So it doesn't, to you, it doesn't matter. Like if he, you want Varad back, I yeah. want, I want Dax back. Our self-interests align. Because yeah. yeah, now neither of us have what we want. Exactly. My, my Jadzia Dax is dying and yeah. some other person yeah, and your Varel is, is now Varel Dax, and he's clearly not the person that you were hoping or were told he was going to be. Varad finds the docking bay empty. Yes, because uh, Odo has released the docking clamp, so now there is a sh- their ship is floating around in the plasma storm, banging against the pylons, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of rocking back and forth on the uh, waves of the plasma storm. Odo and Kira take out Takar. Yep. Which... Why Odo needs to like move his arms and legs and fight as Odo badly as Star Trek like, people? Odo do. is actually let let Kira do most of the work. He's kind of like just stands there looking at things for a little bit. Oh, Klingons are really vulnerable to that double-fisted punch. I know, right? <laughs> they just can't stand. Or just a very light, empty plastic barrel. But Joran Birdbones cracking against them. Yeah, and Murad uh, um, tries a different yes, pad. Yes, he, he goes for the Orinoco. Uh, which was, was prepped on pad three by... Uh, oh, yeah. Kira Good the, setup and payoff. But he gets intercepted by Cisco. They've got their faces on one another. It's it's Varadax who actually puts his face down first. Yeah. Like, we both know that if you shoot me, even on stun, you risk killing the symbiont. Which sounds like a nasty weakness. I mean, it's a... Uh, yeah. Maybe because it's not been, not settled in properly yet. Oh, yes, that. Because it's such a recent joining, Varad can yeah. actually still survive... Separation. Yes, uh, but he says also says like yeah, the, even the doing another rejoining so soon is like oh, he might not survive, and like Cisco is willing to take that risk, both of them, because he just shoots him. There's a the way it goes in this scene. 
I don't know if it's like a little bit of bravado or it's just like excessive coolness because Varad goes, I know you're not going to shoot me. Yeah. Goodbye, Benjamin, and yeah. walks past him. And then Cisco like turns around and says, Varad. And Varad turns around. What? And says, don't call me Benjamin. Zap. Phaser, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was just playing for time or like just being a real drama king or uh. whether he really was going to let... Dax go, and only when he was taunted like that, mm. with this this imposter I, I claiming friendship. Yeah, I don't think he was. I think he was going to shoot him any, uh, all the time. I think it was just Varad Dax who misjudged his old friend. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I can see that. Maybe it was uh, Cisco just providing as many opportunities for, for, for right. Dax. I think it was uh, Varad's wishful thinking uh, that uh, make come to that conclusion. And Varad now wakes up and he's afraid again and he's alone. He's so alone, despite the fact that Muriel is there holding his hand. Although, yes, they seem to be back on par. I, but yes, he's reminiscing, like, I had it and now it's gone. And, like, I can't remember, except I still feel so alone. He's not responding to her, even as Varad, because she says, you know... You're not alone, Varad. I'm here. And even then, he's still just thinking about oh, the knowledge, the confidence, yes. it's all gone. It's all about himself. Yeah. And then we see Jadzia sitting up. We see her spots down her shoulders. Yes, much happier now. She hugs Benjamin. I really like that. Mm. And she goes, yeah, I can remember everything, and it was just so sad. Yeah. Not fight. horribly traumatizing to have <laughs> yeah. your, your kidnapper and killer's mind inside your own. Yeah, and, and then they just look over to him, to do one final shot of Rod and that scene. What did the third button do again? <laughs> oh, the third button is shields up, and the oh, last right, one is yes. the transporter. So That's we don't really one. have a no. Okay, we do deleted scenes. We've got to we've got to explain it every okay. time to be accessible to, to new listeners. Yes. So we imagine like which scene ended up on the cutting room floor. Yes. Like, 20, the, uh, for me, it's very simple. It's 20 minutes of Quark <laughs> screaming and whining and like playing in sick bay. <laughs> okay, that's what you want to see? No. Because <laughs> there's, a, okay. there's a, a potential future where someone uses an ethical form of AI generation to give us to the scenes that, that, scene. we, that we want. Okay, in that case, uh, I want to see a, uh, a, a, a segment of... Are you familiar with the lockpicking lawyer? Have you ever seen any of that <laughs> stuff on, on YouTube? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, but then Quark, like doing a little. Uh, oh, I like that. Doing a, doing a little uh, lockpicking lawyer segment at the end of uh, DS9, <laughs> yes. where he shows up, like uh, how, how to uh, defeat this particular lock and how easily it can be done. Like they, they really thought about this, but they forgot to mention that if you cut away this little thing and then push that button, then it completely <laughs> bypasses the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the idea that as soon as like as soon as they've yeeted Yito yeah. and they've got the Odo box, yeah. he cracks his knuckles and then he very quickly sets up his iPhone in the corner exactly. to Hey the lo- guys, the what's going bartender. on? And he just live streams yeah. <laughs> lock picking bartender. <laughs> Mine isn't so silly. I want to know a lot more about these Klingons. Uh-huh. Like, why are they mercenaries? Like, what are their family relationships? Like, they've clearly okay. got, uh, or certainly Takar has uh, certain opinions about the current state of mm. Klingon society. How, how would you imagine that uh, being filmed? Like, like maybe Bashir talking to uh, Yito or something? Like, okay, how did you oh, get I here? think they're probably going to be dating. They're going to be, like... Bashir and Yito. Bashir and Yito, well... Okay. You know, you've got conjugal visits and uh, whatever. It looks a bit of rough on the okay. side. Well, or maybe otherwise with uh, uh, Takar. 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 I think and, he's the and, most interesting. Played by Tim Russ. Right. Takar and uh, Kira maybe just like chatting a little bit about like, okay, so how did you end up here, you know? Or, or maybe a flashback to like a Star Wars style cantina. Oh, okay. Where they first get hired by uh, oh, uh, right. Muriel and, uh, yeah, and Varad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, that sounds like a cool scene. So Rain, who recommended this, was like seven or eight years old when he saw it for the first time. Yeah. And this concept of like duality between between the self and the and the body Mm -hmm. was very formative, which I think is really, really interesting. I mean, nowadays and in this age in the twenty first century, we have a lot more uh, language to like explore these concepts. Right, you know, people yes. examining like mm-hmm. what's my relationship with my body uh, through gender but also through other yeah. you know uh, uh, other means. And I'm actually really intrigued like what are the allegories here because it's it's not a straight up like transition 
No, uh, no, uh, clearly not. Story right no. now. No, that was they, they, they handled that. That was the original uh, uh, trill uh, episode when they suddenly go from a. Uh, uh, in the ham-fisted yeah. 1990s kind of, right. kind of way. And it was kind of also done, of course, in the beginning, in the opening uh, first episode of DS9, when it's like uh, when Cisco has to uh, uh, adjust to the fact that yeah. Dax, Dax is, that is now Jetsia Dax, and, uh, which is done even better in a later episode of uh, uh, Voyager, when two old Klingon friends of Dax show up. Oh, get, DS9, this, yes. And you, you get, get the, this beautiful uh, scene where he goes like, curse on my old friend. And she goes like, it's Jatsia now. Jatsia, my, my old beloved friend. old friend. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Teaching a whole generation of young people, including myself, yeah. how one greets someone who's transitioned. Yeah. You use their new name or, or their proper name and their proper pronouns. But so, okay, is there maybe dependency metaphor here? Like, mm. uh, he was talking about, like, he wanted that confidence. I mean, right. uh, there I mean, are people who fall into substance abuse because it gives yes. them that sense of confidence, you know. Well, he, 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 he clearly felt slighted by the the, the, the symbiosis assignment board yeah. that he trilled, that he, he says that earlier in the episode. I went before the symbiosis evaluation board and... They reduced my entire life to one word. Unsuitable. And yes, he couldn't deal with that. Uh, That's a live journal screed. Oh, like, yeah. he's rehearsed that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's a deleted wow. scene of everyone in the background like, rolling their eyes. Oh, he's doing this again. He's doing the whole speech. Yeah. He's doing the long version. He's doing the long version. Oh, God. Uh, get a cup of tea. Get me, get me some egg broth. Yeah. Uh, I think yes, egg broth is good. I don't know. I mean, it's not just like egg drop soup. Well, it is egg drop soup. It's kind of like soup and you drop Taki gets K talking about <laughs> recipes. It's my favorite segment of the show. It's basically you make a soup, like a broth, and then yeah. you you scramble an egg. You, then you kind of like, a, yeah, you um, mix up an egg and then you kind of drizzle it in. So you get these little strands of egg in your soup. So you drop an egg into soup. Well, in, in little bits. So that yeah, you okay, get, like, no, I like thin, thin it. Little strands. You, you get it in, uh, yeah. Uh, Sweet and sour soup has it, depending on which Chinese restaurant you go to. Mm, but uh, I'd sounds like to, tasty. to make that sometime. Yes, yes. Uh, with, uh, with, uh, you're not doing the list anymore of things. I was that, just thinking about it <laughs> for many years. Like any time that you went, oh, I've got to make that, I immediately grabbed my phone and wrote it down to make sure to remind you that some other time, and oh, we had some delicious <laughs> meals thanks to that list of mine. Yes. Because sometimes you get, the, you get the itch to cook for uh, more than a few people. Right, and I was like, what, but what to do? And then out comes the list. And yes. <laughs> And my husband and I live close by, and we are very good at doing the dishes after you've cooked for us. <laughs> yes. I think it's a very good... Uh, uh, a symbiotic yeah, relationship? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hey. And I think with that, we can say... Yes, we've come full circle. <laughs> and I think it's about time... Yep, I'm leaving Star Trek. Energize. Ah, no. You'll get it, honey. Okay, You'll get it next time. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode with friends Kay and Kaki. Production and editing by Chief Engineer Greg and music by Fox Amor. Join us next time for Enterprise Season 2, Episode 9, Singularity. Visit joyoftrek.com slash links to send us your recommendations, support us on Patreon, or to find us on Blue Sky, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Joy of Trek, and we'll see you out there. <laughs>